So I've actually been trading foreign exchange since about 1985. Oh my God. Been trading before there was something called internet. Last year was a really interesting year, right? Um, it'll be the year that we all remember that inflation was soaring. We started to get the Fed doing rate rises and we had a tremendous fall off in the tech stocks and the equity markets. We'll also remember it as the start of the Ukraine war. Generally, I think 2023 will be the year where FX is very range bound. So that should suit our strategies very well because they're looking for 40 to 70 pips in several different currency pairs. And you're getting moves of like 100 pips. So you can get 40 to 70 pips out of the market. So we're looking forward to a really good year on our strategies. You know, in the Middle East, you've got a dollar fixed exchange regime. And in the Far East, they also follow, you know, pegs like the Hong Kong dollar. They follow interest rates. So when U.S. interest rates go up, that has a knock on ripple effect all around the world. What happens if Putin's gone? We don't almost don't know because he's been a leader for so long. So basically today is the start of our tech markets where me and Tim will be doing every Saturday, uploading it on our channel, YouTube's channel every Sunday. At the same time, we're doing it on Instagram Live so you guys can get a first insight of what we're doing. So please, Tim, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my background is I was an interbank trader for banks like UBS and HSBC. So I've actually been trading foreign exchange since about 1985. Oh my God, that's a long time. So I've seen financial crisis, I've seen tremendous moves in the market, I've seen people come and go. And I've always been a proprietary trader looking to make money with intraday FX trading. So that's my kind of level of, of expertise. And so basically you've been trading before there was something called internet. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was all done on the telephone in those days. So, uh, I mean, when the internet came, it revolutionized everything, right? Because you could have margin brokers, you could dial into them online, you could get really tight prices. So it made a huge difference. So I've seen all of that evolution of the technology. And here wow. we are today with, uh, you know, brokers like Orbix, where you can get live pricing and, and trade yourself or, or using a strategy. So, yeah, nice. a lot of changes. So guys, I, I can't stress this enough, but you don't understand the level of experience we have right now in this tech markets. We're talking with somebody been trading in the financial market before there was something called internet. Mashallah. All right. Uh, so please tell us what about 2022 and what happened last year in the markets. Yeah. So last year was a really interesting year, right? Um, it'll be the year that we all remember that inflation was soaring. We started to get the Fed doing rate rises and we had a tremendous fall off in the tech stocks and the equity markets. We'll also remember it as the start of the Ukraine war. Totally out of the blue, this war started. Putin started being aggressive to Ukraine and that led to massive rises in energy prices. It was also the year of the strong dollar. You know, at times of war, traditionally over the years, people buy dollars in, in times of war. But towards the end of the year, we saw a slight weakening in the dollar. It came down by about 10% on, on the overall move that it had done during the year. So that left us with kind of two schools of thought, two camps, I call it. The first camp is don't fight the Fed, right? Believe in <laughs> Chair Powell. His reputation's at stake because he got the transitory inflation bit wrong, 
That was a debacle. So it means that he's now singing a new song. Interest rates higher for longer. And that's going to put pressure on the equity markets. And we think, some commentators think, we haven't seen the bottom yet. And that would lead to a stronger dollar. Interest rates up, stronger dollar. Now, in the other camp is the fear of missing out, the FOMO people, right? Right. These are the people that think eventually this year the Fed will have to pivot, that interest rates have already peaked, inflation's coming down, and that central banks might even need to cut rates at some point. So these are the people that believe the equity markets have seen a bottom. So when you see days like yesterday, where any piece of good news can be construed as buying equities, that leads to a weaker dollar because equity markets go up, US dollar goes down. So generally, I think 2023 will be the year where FX is very range bound. So that should suit our strategies very well because they're looking for 40 to 70 pips in several different currency pairs. And you're getting moves of like 100 pips. So you can get 40 to 70 pips out of the market. So we're looking forward to a really good year on our strategies. I remember last year in November, uh, the Fed made uh, that announcement where they said the inflation is back to the Fed's target, which was 2%. And people felt slightly better about that news coming in the market. And we were wondering to ourselves, what about the Middle East? What about the rest of the world? Yeah, I mean, you know, US interest rates are important for so many different countries. You know, in the Middle East, you've got a dollar fixed exchange regime. And in the Far East, they also follow, you know, pegs like the Hong Kong dollar, they follow interest rates. So when US interest rates go up, that has a knock on ripple effect all around the world. So you'll often get um, an effect in a, another country which is tied to those US dollar interest rates. So it's really important and everybody's following it. The fight against inflation, the Fed only really has one tool to put up interest rates and slow down the economy, slow down employment, slow down what's happening in the US. But that has a knock-on effect everywhere, as you say. Absolutely, because inflation hit hard the rest of the world in comparison with the US or the UK. So we're talking about Argentina, for instance, where the inflation rate, I think, was 90% plus. Yeah, in Argentina, you, you can take the banknotes and you can use it to paper your walls, right? Because it's, <laughs> it's cheaper than buying wallpaper. <laughs> and we've seen that in several countries over the years. Amazing. That's but absolutely right. Now, now we're coming into 2023. Energy prices have fallen in the wholesale markets. You know, we're still paying more for our heating here. You're probably paying more for your electricity in the Middle East, for your air conditioning. And some people have predicted that there could be a recession in the US. So now the question is, are we going to get what they call a hard landing or a soft landing? Is the Fed going to just gently bring in this little bit of recession, get the inflation rate down, or is it going to be bam, we've got to really push hard, it's going to be a big recession, it's going to be dramatic. So that kind of recession, that hard recession is not really built into the equity markets yet. There's going to be a focus on company earnings, you're already seeing some of the big companies like um, Amazon, um, Facebook, Meta, they're laying off staff. And you know, there are going to be a lot of uh, layoffs coming, which is kind of what the Fed wants. You know, it doesn't want to ruin people's lives, but it wants there to be slightly less employment. So 
we saw the first signs of that yesterday in the non-farm payroll figure when it came out. It's kind of moving back down now, and they revised right. the previous month. So it's getting back towards 200,000. So that's kind of good for the FOMO camp. They think, okay, if all this comes down, maybe the Fed doesn't have to put up rates anymore. I think there is one more rate cut, uh, rate rise to come in this year, but it's, is it going to be 25 basis points or 50 basis points? Um, we're also seeing that China's reopening. So that's another factor. Is that going to be inflationary when they come out and start buying things? But a lot of people think the central banks might pause at some point. And that's why they're trying to get in early and buy stocks at, at good levels. But really, the US is going to be led by this inflation number if it can't get it down. And, and it's still quite a long way from 2%, right? So there's, there's quite a bit to go. But yesterday's number was good. Um, yeah. The US created 223,000 new jobs. The wage growth declined a little bit to 4.6%. So that was uh, positive. And, you know, the, the equity markets took off, the dollar started coming down again. The other good thing that happened yesterday was that the ISM service data yeah. was down as well. And so that just shows that there's a bit of contraction in the economy. So all this is could be a game changer for the Fed if it means the trend of inflation is is you know reversing a bit. But yeah, declines to four point six percent. Yeah. Sorry. So I mean, if you were the Fed chairman, you you definitely think, well, it's once bitten, twice shy, right? I'm not going to risk my reputation on this until I see more data. So as usual, we're going to be hanging on for next month's figures. And all that makes, again, for range-bound markets, until things are confirmed and we get a new trend, range-bound markets are good for us because that plays into, into our strategy. But it means that next week, when we get the CPI data on Thursday, the 12th, that's going to be even more critical. People are going to be looking at that and, uh, and saying, okay, is inflation really on the way down now? Then there should be more optimism, I think. Absolutely. I mean, uh, let's go back to early 2020, since the start of the pandemic. And then last year, the start of the war. So we've seen lots of changes in the financial markets, particularly in the FX markets. Uh, last year, we've seen, the, um, you know, the USD in, everyone was shocked. And the remarkable thing about what happened over the last two years, everyone been losing their money right, left and center. However, we've managed to maintain a very positive, healthy track record in our company. What, what do you think the secret behind our consistency and being able to perform despite all the crisis that's been going in the market? Don't get me wrong, the financial market since 2020 been reshaping, if you like, or restructuring itself. Yeah, so I mean, you know, there's plenty of things that people can invest in. But foreign exchange is always like the grease between the cogs of the market. So if you want to move into one equity in another country, you have to buy the currency of that country. So foreign exchange is constantly going on. It's now a $6 trillion turnover in the interbank market. When I started in the markets, it was 0 0.5 trillion. Wow. Now it's up to 6 trillion. So if you see what six trillion looks like, that's a lot of dollars. And that's going through the markets every day. So massive volumes, massive volumes of payments are going on, everything. So the 
opportunity is there when there's volatility, as we call it, when the rates are moving around to make money. And sometimes those rates get pushed by other financial markets. So equity markets go up, dollar goes down, other currencies go up. And it's always a balance. Foreign exchange is where you exchange one currency for another. So you're hoping that the rate will go up or down in, in your favor. And since 2020, we've, you know, we had the shock of, uh, of the, uh, the pandemic. And we've also seen cryptocurrencies rise in popularity. We've had a massive move up in Bitcoin to 69,000 and then all the way back down to 17,000 where we are today. Recently, we've had the FTX debacle. You know, there's always going to be new things coming and new financial products. And crypto is yet another financial product that, you know, we can trade if we're careful, but it's it's a high risk strategy. So FX has been around for a while. It's it's established. Everybody does it. And the kind of strategies that we're looking for, we're not into, you know, buying Turkish lira or Indonesian rupiah. We trade in the main currency pairs. So we're sticking to where there's liquidity and where there's a good depth of market that we'll always have a price and we'll always be able to get out and get our orders done. So I think those are the, the success factors. I mean, the strategies that we use, we vet them very carefully first. We look at their back testing history. If it's an automated strategy, we watch it for two to three months to see that it is correct and that it is trading within our risk management parameters. You know, we don't try to make a lot of money every month, but we don't lose much money. This is the most important thing. If you ask Warren Buffett, his top three investment strategies are don't lose money, don't lose money, and don't lose money. And if you start from that basis, you'll have a good strategy and you'll do well in the markets. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, our maximum drawdown on a monthly basis is 2%. And... We, ha we didn't even reach to that point last year. Our biggest drawdown last year was 1.78%. What do you think makes us special? I think what we're doing now is we're using very experienced traders if we're using human traders. So, you know, people of my era have been taught to trade under strict risk management rules at the bank. So if we look at a trader who can make more than he will ever lose, then the risk to reward ratios are, are correct there. And on the automated side, it's really looking for models that can react to the markets that can adapt themselves when markets change, because markets do change. If you think back to when Donald Trump came in, all the financial markets changed because it was based around him making statements that you couldn't predict. So the markets became very jerky and unpredictable. Once Joe Biden came in and replaced him, the markets calm down a bit and they move a little bit more in a structured way. Whereas with Trump, he could say anything at any one time, right? So right. you need to have traders that have seen those kind of reactive markets and the regular markets. So I think, you know, what we're doing is we're putting together a stable of those kind of strategies. So investors could look at that and say, okay, when I invest and use one of the the uh, FX strategies and tasking on my account, it will never lose a lot of money and it will make a reasonable amount of money. Absolutely. And what do you think about Euro GBP in case uh, the Euro uh, recession? I mean, is the economy better than the UK? UK, we have a new prime minister. 
He's our first Indian Prime Minister. His background is from Goldman Sachs, so he understands the markets. It was him that came up with the, uh, the scheme to protect people's incomes during COVID. Um, he was very, I would say, cautious about over-promising when he was fighting against Liz Truss. And she was brought in first and then was a disaster. So it's Rishi to the rescue. Um, I think he could do very well. Uh, I call it the golden years of Rishi, the G-Y-O-R. So <laughs> if he can get through the strikes and the financial crisis and the fuel crisis and the recession that's coming in UK, he could get re-elected and then he'll have another four years. But the election's not for two years. So people have short memories. You know, they want things sorted out. So he's got a tough job. So which is better, Europe or sterling? We could see some pressure higher on euro sterling if Rishi doesn't do well and Europe does just a little bit better. So watch out for that as a theme in 2023. Some of our traders will be looking at that to see if that's a movement that's coming. You know, we're around about the 0.88 mark at the moment. And we have been slightly higher this week and then come back again. People are trying to decide. It's the first week of January. You know, they're, they're trying to decide what to do. They'll start looking at the numbers. But, you know, Rishi had his speech this week. He's picked five things that he wants to be measured by. They're kind of the five things that every prime minister is measured by. So nothing much new there. So markets didn't really buy Sterling on on that speech. Um, as So let's, let's see how he does. Absolutely. And last year we've seen cables, uh, GBP, USD, and it went on a strike, on a surprising strike. It shocked off a lot of people. Just a little bit more about it. The funny thing is, when I first joined the market as a junior trader, I was given my first trading book, which was Cable, as a small Irish bank that I worked for. And I was very nervous because I'd never seen sterling move down so fast. So that year it went down to 1.05. And people were predicting that it would go to parity, $1 against one pound. But it never quite reached there. And then the Bank of England came in and pushed it back up again. The Sultan of Brunei came to the Queen's rescue and bought a load of sterling. <laughs> and that was kind of pushed it back up again. But sterling likes to be in a range, really. And, you know, when Liz Truss was elected, you could see it was going to be a disaster. You know, her chancellor didn't really know what to do, how to do it, how to talk to the market. So we had that tremendous sell-off. It didn't really go much lower than, um, you know, I saw like in 1985. So if you were looking at a monthly chart, it would be like a, a giant double bottom on the chart, right? It went there in 1985. It went there in 2022. How many years in between? That's 37 years in between, right? So, yeah, Sterling, UK is not the global force that it used to be. We've Brexited, which is kind of strange. You know, we've detached ourselves from our biggest market, which is on our doorstep. We've got to make new trade deals. We, we're not a manufacturing nation anymore. We have financial services. So sterling shouldn't be that weak, but maybe it's not going to be that strong against other currencies going forward. So looking for a new range in cable, maybe the top is 125, 127. Now, where's the bottom? It's probably not 105. That's a bit, that's a bit low. So you know, let's see if it stays 112 to 127. 
in the next year. See how see how Rishi does. So my next question, I mean, lots of people are wondering about this, right? What if what happens if Putin is gone and what happens if he stays on power and this, you know, Russian Ukrainian war carries on till 2024? It grinds on like a lot of these other wars that Russia have been involved in. There's, there's a war of attrition, you know, they like destroying cities, they like, you know, just pounding countries with missiles and drones and you know the technology exists they're getting technology from iran now from the drone side but on the other side is nato nato definitely doesn't want russia to come any further and to take over ukraine so they're backing them with military hardware with expertise but they don't want to be sucked into that war biden's very careful not to promise air support or air cover or anything like that so that 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 war is going to drag on the first commentator said this week, what happens if Putin is suddenly gone? What if the Russian people turn against him? What if mothers don't want their sons to be sent to the front? You know, he's he's had to recruit a lot more troops. Some of these are very green, very young people being sent to, to fight. What happens if Putin's gone? We don't almost don't know because he's been a leader for so long. Who else is out there in the political sphere that could take over from him? Would it be another hardliner? Would it be one of the guys that's currently in prison would be released and, and maybe it would be a bit more democratic? So watch out for this as a theme. I don't think anyone knows. I don't know yet what to say if Putin's gone, but we should definitely keep an eye on it because it is a political factor going into 2023. Crypto, it's been holding up so far, but more firms are struggling. Overall, people have removed their coins from exchange for safety and falling in the trap of trading uh, volumes. Yeah, I mean, volumes have gone down tremendously. Um, some of the exchanges are in trouble because, like FTX, they've done something else with the client's money and now they need to give it back. Um, Silvergate Bank was in the news yesterday. They had to give back $8 billion worth of uh, funds to clients. And it means that these businesses have to close. So... If you go back in history, probably there are lots of major banks that started in the 20s that went bust, you know, during the uh, the great uh, equity drawdown at that time. So weak institutions have always been found out when there's a move against them. And that's always happened. But with crypto, there hasn't been the regulation in place to protect people. So what we'll see in 2023 is a lot more regulation. You'll see survival of the fittest. There are too many exchanges out there. You know, every day you can find a new exchange that was popping up in early 2022. And some of them have just, you know, didn't make it to enough business to support the business. Some of them made a lot of money when prices were wide and prices were moving around a lot. Um, some of the coins, you know, they were launched and then nobody bought them. Nobody bought into the project that they were released to fund. And they're just dead and dormant. I think it was, I saw a, site, a website saying there are over 6,000 dead crypto coins that are just not traded anymore, basically. The main ones, Bitcoin, Ethereum, even Solana, have survived somehow. Maybe there's somebody out there who's just putting a bit of support under the market and hoping that, like other asset classes, if the equity markets go up, crypto goes up with it. But... You know, I would just be cautious. And as you say, people have taken their coins off exchange, which means they're not intending to trade with them. 
Um, they want a lot of up in cold storage. So I think it's just a time to be cautious in uh, in crypto. Um, we've we've been looking at an AI strategy that trades crypto and it tries to predict intraday moves. And it's interesting because the volatility has come down to actually less than foreign exchange at the moment. But uh, we'll see what happens. See what happens. But overall, slightly cautious on crypto as uh, the news is so bad at the moment. Thank you so much, Tim. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a follow and subscribe to this channel. Like this episode for more episodes to come. And if you'd like to join any of, any of our managed accounts, please get in touch with our support team via Telegram and Instagram. Have a great day and we'll see you soon.